everyone, welcome back to another episode of On The Mix. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today I thought I would talk to you guys about the really fascinating story about how Charles Manson became friends with the Beach Boys and how the Beach Boys released a song that was written by Charles Manson and you probably never even knew that it was written by Charles Manson. Now, obviously, we all know, I think, that Charles Manson is a horrible person So I'm not going to talk about the murders because that's insensitive because this isn't a true crime podcast. I'm simply going to be talking about Charles Manson and how he became friends with the Beach Boys because I knew about this for a long time. However, I didn't really know the context behind like how did he even like meet the Beach Boys? How did that even happen? And then how did they go about recording a song together? And it's just really, really, really fascinating. So if you're interested in learning more about Charles Manson or what he did, if you don't know, just for more information, there's plenty of other things out there you can watch or listen to, but I'm just going to be talking about this particular story. So without further ado, Let's jump right into the story. So to set context, the year is 1968, and the Beach Boys are a very hot commodity in the music industry. So Dennis Wilson was a member of the Beach Boys. At this point in time, he was divorced from his first wife, Carol Friedman, and he was living the high life, so to speak, in a large house on Sunset Boulevard outside of Los Angeles. And this is important context because Dennis Wilson kind of leaves himself vulnerable to be preyed upon by Charles Manson and his family. This is kind of where it starts here. Charles Manson ends up meeting Dennis Wilson one day after Dennis goes out, goes for a drive like he usually does. And he has this thing where he apparently would pick up female hitchhikers and just kind of drive them where they needed to go. Nothing untoward would happen. He would just help to pick them up. This was at a time where it was quote unquote safe to hitchhike and do all this stuff and not have to worry about stranger danger necessarily, but that's what it was back in the day. So Dennis Wilson, he picked up one day these two female hitchhikers and he brought them back to his house and they hung out. They did some drugs, they talked, and the girls mentioned that they had a friend named Charlie who would be interested in meeting Dennis one day. Dennis was like, okay, whatever. He didn't think too much of it. And then one day he comes home and he sees Charles Manson and the two girls again, right? So Charles immediately went down to his knees and started praising Dennis Wilson because Charles Manson was a massive music fan. And ironically, Charles Manson actually wanted to be a singer. He wanted to be a musician. That was his aspiration. Well, one of his aspirations, like he thought he could do it. Charles Manson just got on his knees and he was like, oh my God, Dennis Wilson, you're amazing. I love you so much. And so the two of them struck up a friendship of unlikely match. It didn't really seem like it would fit, but Dennis Wilson was in this moment in time in history in his life where, again, he was open and vulnerable to the praying eyes of Charles Manson and his female friends. So he kind of let it happen. So Diane Lake, who was a member of Charles Manson's family, she wasn't involved with the murders that are synonymous with Charles Manson. Uh, She described how Charles had the ability to captivate Dennis Wilson, and it went on to validate more and more Charles's status as the leader of their cult, right? So it just goes to show that if Charles Manson could influence a member of the Beach Boys, who again, they're extremely popular and very famous, it would almost be as if Charles Manson befriended Jim Morrison, 
that it would be something similar like that in terms of status. So it's just crazy how it all happened, but it, it did happen, you know? Diane would go on to say that I think the two must have hit it off. Charlie was teaching Dennis how to play the guitar, and Dennis welcomed Charlie and us girls into his home, and we would take his Rolls Royce and go dumpster diving. So again, this is this is 1968. This is like the hippie free love movement where there's no rules, there's no boundaries, everyone does what they want to do. Drugs are free flowing, you know, they it's very open and no one really looks twice about these kind of things and situations. So for back then, I think it was normal. But even in some contexts, people around Dennis and his friends were seeing this as not normal. So, you know, it's interesting how Dennis thought it was normal, but a lot of the other Beach Boys and a lot of his other friends thought, no, this is abnormal because this isn't like typical Dennis behavior. Unfortunately, because of what Dennis had gone through in his personal life, I think it just was the opportune time to happen. So Dennis and Charlie hit it off right away, which isn't surprising, given Charlie's skills at integrating himself with strangers. You know, Dennis, you know, hung out for a while and they listened to some songs and Charlie told him, oh, I want to be a musician and this is what I want to do. Dennis, for some reason, had this, I don't know what you want to call it, but he fully believed that Charlie was like a profit of sorts that he could actually record music and be a musician. I don't know how that happened, but it's true. So days after Charlie and Dennis first met and they hung out, Charles Manson and his family, so a couple of the girls, immediately moved into Dennis Wilson's house. Even though they had a location called Spawn Ranch where they would hang out and they would kind of uh, live in the in the houses that were on this horse ranch, they were very eclectic and they kind of moved from place to place sometimes. So literally they just up and decided, let's just live with Dennis Wilson at his house. Let's put our feet up on the table. Let's just live here as if we own the place and let's run this guy into the ground for all he's worth. Let's do it. That's kind of essentially what the vibe was. And at first, Dennis didn't mind this. Again, Dennis was going through so much in his personal life that he accepted this. He was like, oh, cool, this Charles Manson guy is really eclectic and interesting and we like the same kind of music and we, and we have similar kind of interests and hobbies and ideas about the world. That's really cool. Yeah, sure, you and your girls can come and hang out with me. You know, Dennis was also used to partying. He was no stranger to partying and doing drugs and also... He frequently picked up hitchhikers and would take them home and hang out with them and then whatever, you know. So for Dennis, this was like the run of the mill, everyday, normal kind of thing that would happen in his life at this time. So it just kind of worked. The two of them became really close friends. I mean, what's kind of funny, but also not funny at the same time. This is how dire and weird the situation got. Um, it was here at Dennis's house where all the girls would be staying uh, with Charles Manson as well where they would do drugs and they would all sleep with each other. Well, there was a massive case of gonorrhea that spread throughout the entire house. Everyone, like, everyone got gonorrhea, and so they had to go get tested. Like, apparently, according to one of the family members, Diane Lake, like I mentioned before, Dennis provided the group um, a doctor to get them all checked for gonorrhea. So I just thought, like, that's funny, but also not funny at the same time, because that just goes to show how 
insane the situation got. You know, it's weird. It's very strange. So I mentioned that Charles Manson had his sights set on wanting to be a musician. You know, he was this cult leader, yes, and he saw himself as this prophet, as this god amongst men, but he also saw himself as a musician, that he had the talent, he had the ability to be famous, right? So Charlie was trying to land a recording contract, and wow, it just so happened Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys knew people, (laughs) of course, and pulled some strings and introduced him to some industry execs and some friends. It's just an interesting way that this all went about. Neil Young, weirdly enough, met Charles Manson through Dennis Wilson, and Neil Young seemed to think that Charles Manson was an improvisational genius. I don't know what that says about Neil Young, but I guess hindsight's 2020 now. Maybe Neil Young thinks differently. But at the time, Neil Young was like, oh my God, Charles Manson is absolutely incredible. Charles particularly tried to impress one of Dennis's close friends named Terry Melcher. And I hope I say his name right, Terry Melcher, who was the son of actress Doris Day. And he was an influential producer at Columbia Records, right? He really tried to sink his nails and his teeth into Terry Melcher because of his ties to Columbia Records, where he was working. Terry, however, was very weary of him, as he rightfully should have been. He declined to invite him to his house where he could hear him sing and maybe record him. So this rubbed Charles the wrong way because he was really trying so hard to like vie for everyone's attention and to prove himself worthy to everybody. Um, He already thought of himself as this man that could get everyone's attention and do whatever he wanted to do, no questions asked. He had this charm, apparently, but not everyone saw through to that. Not everyone agreed. Terry was one of those smart people that was like, no, this Charles Manson guy is a little bit weird. I just don't want to help him out. And like I also touched upon earlier, the other Beach Boys were not impressed with Charles either. They were actually very creeped out by him. Singer Mike Love would later write in his memoir about how he went over to Dennis's for dinner one day, only to find everyone there not wearing any clothes. So, I I mean, listen, again, this is like the time of the free love hippie movement where there's no rules, there's no boundaries, everyone does whatever they want to do. They're experimenting and exploring, doing all these kind of um, mind-altering things or whatever. So not everyone was into that, though. Clearly, the other Beach Boys were not into this kind of lifestyle. So when Mike Love went over to Dennis's house for dinner, he saw everyone there naked. He was like, oh, this is weird. This is so strange. Like, it would have been strange. Absolutely. He's not wrong. It would have been weird. And then apparently after dinner, there was an LSD-fueled... um. I don't know what you want to call it, orgy, I guess, of sorts, if you want to say that, um, was going on. And Mike Love was like, you know what? This is a little too much. I'm just going to go maybe take a shower and then leave, right? So Mike's going to hop in the shower. Only Charles Manson barged in on him and was berating him for wanting to leave Dennis's house. Like, how dare you leave the house? Like, we're all having a great time. What's wrong with you kind of situation? It was weird, you know? It was it was weird, for sure, you know? Johnny Eccles, who was the lead guitarist of the band called Love, also met Charles Manson, and he was friends with Dennis Wilson and the other Beach Boys. 
He said, I just thought he was a seedy little character. The weirdest thing was, first the parties were in the guest house and Manson and his crew would be there. Then it kind of flipped itself and Dennis moved those people into his house and he stayed in the guest house on his own property. Yeah, see, Dennis didn't have the backbone to say to these people, you're ruining my life and you're taking over my house and you're making a mess and you're freaking all my friends out. You need to go, you, you know, I mean. At this time, Dennis didn't see that Charles had a really bad side to him that would lend to being really scared for his life. He would be later on, but at this point, he didn't see Charlie as a threat. He just saw Charlie as a guy that came in and is starting to kind of mess everything up in his life in small ways, not in massive ways. Like I said, Dennis believed in Charles's musical talent and set up a recording session through the Beach Boys label named Brother Records. So Dennis was trying to pull strings for Charlie this whole entire time, and, and this is where it got him to record a song. Obviously, if you can imagine, Charles Manson had no experience performing in a studio. He had no experience in a studio. He had no singing experience, really. So this irritated the Beach Boys engineer, Stephen Desper. And he would go on to say that Charlie was not going to be produced, which essentially meant Charlie wanted to do what Charlie wants to do and everyone else better shut up and let him do what he wants to do. Otherwise, he gets mad, right? And Steven, who is a professional sound engineer, is like, no, you're not running the gamut here. You're letting me help you. So if you want to do this, let me help you. Well, Steven would go on to say he had no idea what recording sessions were about or how to make records. He took it all very personally, and he was not a professional artist. It kind of came to a head one day in the friendship between Dennis and Charlie, where Charles ended up pulling a knife out to express his irritation with Stephen Desper. And that was when Dennis saw the other side of Charlie where now he was getting nervous. Now he was like, oh my God, this guy could probably hurt me and he could probably kill me because he's crazy enough to do it. So now Dennis is in this pickle where he can't like force them out because he's afraid of what they're going to do. But they're just running all of his resources to the ground. By the end of the summer, they ended up blowing an estimated $100,000, which was $100,000 in 1968. Who knows what, due to inflation, it would be now. Probably probably a lot of money, right? $100,000 is a lot of money anyway. So Dennis would end up buying like food and drugs for them and uh, medical things, you know, health things. And so this is where all of this money is being fed through and it's causing problems because Dennis is now losing his money. And obviously there was damage to his property because everyone was partying and doing drugs and it was messing everything up. And so Dennis just got to a point where he was fed up and he was done. There was nothing more that he could do about it. And this is where it got to be a really scary situation because he couldn't do it on his own. He had to get some friends to help him kind of like give him courage and support to kick Charles out of the house, you know. So he tried his best to avoid confrontation. Dennis ended up moving out of his house with the lease set to expire on the house, which meant that he left the process of kicking out the Manson family to his landlord to evict them, right? So this is kind of the situation at hand, right? 
it's unfortunate that this had to happen this way, but unfortunately, that's what it was. You know, Dennis was like, I can't take this anymore, but I, al- I also can't full on express to them what's happening. So I'm just going to leave and let the landlord formally evict them. So that's what ended up happening. Now, Dennis also got back at Charles by taking one of the songs that he was working on called Cease to Exist. And what he did was Dennis took that song and he reformulated it by calling it Never Learn Not to Love. Even though Charles wrote that song, Dennis changed the name of it, and Dennis also later claimed sole songwriting credit for the track. Now, what do you think that this ended up doing to Charles Manson? Charles Manson sees that this happens, and this is where things start to spiral. So Charles Manson and the family, they get kicked out of Dennis's house, and they ended up returning back to Spawn Ranch without a record deal in hand and without any kind of anything to show for the time that they spent with Dennis Wilson. Charles was like kind of whatever about the fact that they had to leave Dennis's house. He was mostly annoyed that the release of that Beach Boy song, Never Learn Not to Love, was changed to that title. And Charles Manson was not giving or did not receive songwriting credits because he wrote that song. So apparently, Charlie signed over his rights to the writer's royalty in exchange for a one-off cash payment and a motorcycle. So Charles doesn't really have a leg to stand on because he signed away his rights to the song, basically just handing it over to Dennis Wilson, right? Essentially. That was really stupid of him, but Charles thought, how could they do this to me? They screwed me over. He was also mad that Dennis decided to change some of the original lyrics. Um, A lot of it was kept but a lot of it or certain parts of it were changed. Um, So that song, Never Learn Not to Love, was written by Charles Manson, and then some of it was slightly altered. Um, But still, how crazy is that? This is where things start to rev up and amp up in danger, and this was where Dennis was fearing for his life. After the song's release in September, around there, of 1968, Charles Manson sent Dennis Wilson a single bullet in the mail with a threatening message attached. Charles would later end up kind of commenting in a 1993 interview with Diane Sawyer about this incident. He said that, I gave Dennis a bullet because he changed the words to my song. So he thought that was the normal thing to do, basically insinuating and threatening his life. Like, how could you take my song and change everything about it? You know, I'm going to come after you. So obviously, Charlie was unhinged and very scary to Dennis Wilson. He didn't know what the hell to do. You know, he also didn't really have his house to go to because it was not in good shape, obviously. So Dennis had officially cut ties with the Manson family, but he was still apprehensive about their unpredictability. What the hell would they do? Would they try to come kill me or what? You know, Dennis was like living on edge all the time. He was already unhinged mentally by the things that he was experiencing in his personal life, but this just kind of added to, I mean, for lack of a better word, the bad vibes that he was experiencing. Um, One of Dennis's friends commented that Dennis was aware enough of what Charlie was capable of, which is why he slept with a gun under his pillow. Dennis slept with a gun under his pillow, he was saying. So he was afraid for his life. He literally thought, this guy could come kill me. He could find me and kill me. So... This was not good. This is where now the infamous murders happens. And it happens in August of 1969, where Charles sent some of his um, family members 
to the former house of Terry Melcher. Remember Terry Melcher from earlier? One of the figureheads, if you will, producers at Columbia Records, who was friends with Dennis Wilson, right? Terry Melcher did not want anything to do with Charles Manson when he was friends with Dennis Wilson. So Charles Manson sends his followers to this house in Benedict Canyon, which was the former house of Terry Melcher. And this was where, unfortunately, Sharon Tate would end up being murdered. And again, I believe it was three of her other friends that were there uh, at the house um, were murdered. And there was no specific reason why. Again, I'm not going to talk really in depth about the murders or anything because it's not really my place here to talk about that. Um, so this is what ends up happening. Now, Dennis would learn along with the rest of the world that his used-to-be friend was behind these horrendous killings. And uh, it shook him so severely that some people think that it contributed to his downward spiral from that point forward. Um, the death of Dennis Wilson is actually extremely interesting. Some people think that there was some kind of conspiracy involved in his death. Um, it's actually really interesting. I don't know if maybe I'll do an episode on that later. I'm not sure. Uh, but for now, basically, what ended up happening, Dennis drowned at his Mariana Del Rey house in December of 1983 at the age of 39. He was intoxicated and apparently he went to swim in his pool, right? And if I'm not mistaken, it's been a while since I've looked at the information surrounding that case. If I'm not mistaken, his then girlfriend or wife uh, found him. So again, it, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into that, but definitely people thought around him that uh, Dennis harbored a lot of guilt and negative feelings surrounding the whole Charles Manson murders with Sharon Tate and her friends because he thought maybe I could have stopped this or if I had, you know, like not necessarily survivor's guilt, but almost like, you know, he was going through like the five stages of grief kind of thing, you know, where he was almost bargaining. I think he was at the bargaining phase where he was like, if only I had maybe seen this or why them, it should have been me kind of thing. I don't know, but I'm just maybe assuming here. But anyway, you know, it's unfortunate that Dennis had to go down that path and he felt so strongly about his guilt over everything uh, and his association with the Manson family. So he unfortunately didn't live too long after that point. And also apparently Dennis refused to talk publicly about his association with Charles Manson. I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, it was public knowledge. Everyone knew, but like, it makes sense that once news broke out that Charles Manson was behind all this and then the court case and things became very public as well. You wouldn't want to be associated with all of that. You want to like strip away any like resemblance or um, association, I guess, to them. So Dennis never talked about it and he died um, a very tragic death. But that in a nutshell is the story of how Charles Manson befriended Beach Boy Dennis Wilson and they had a song written by Charles Manson that they used and they recorded and they put it out there. I just thought that was utterly fascinating. You know, again, I knew about this story, but I never knew all the details about it. So I just thought, well, I would share with you guys. And yeah, I thought it was an interesting story. I hope you guys did too. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I hope that you guys have an awesome rest of your day. And I also hope that you learned something today that you hadn't known about before. I certainly have. 
this was really um, an interesting one for me to research. Um, so thank you guys as always. And I will see you guys next Wednesday with another episode of On The Mix. Talk to you guys later. Bye guys. Bye.